the Lord is good. This is the word of the Lord. pray, shall we, as we begin? Father God, we thank you for that wonderful truth, that the word of the Lord stands forever. And so now we pray, O Lord, that you would speak through it and change our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I don't know whether you're into uh, pop music and rock music and whether you've heard of the band Foreigner. They were around in the 1980s. Um, They had a song that was a big hit, and it went like this. I'm not going to sing it, by the way. In my life, there's been heartache and pain. I don't know if I can face it again. Can't stop now. I've travelled so far to change this lonely life. I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. I want to know what love is. I know you can show me. Well, maybe you can relate to that, having perhaps had more than what seems your fair share of heartache and pain. I know we've all had plenty of that, haven't we, over the last 18 months. It's been a very difficult time. Well, Foreigner, the band, wanted to know what love is, but I think they were looking in the wrong place. The song says, I want you to show me, the one to whom the song was sung. And uh, Mick Jones, who wrote the song, said, I think that there's something bigger than me behind it. I'd say it was probably written entirely by a higher spiritual force. Well, as we've been discovering in 1 Peter, in our heartache and pain, which is very raw for many of us, there isn't just some unknown force, not some higher force that is unknowable, but a heavenly Father who shows us what love is and knows intimately who we are And the wonderful truth is that we can know him. In the previous section, you may recall, we saw how Peter told the Christians that he was writing to uh, that they should live lives that are different to those who don't believe the gospel because they are strangers in this world. They should leave behind the old empty life from before they were Christians, and be holy. Do you remember why? Because their heavenly Father is holy. And then we come to today's passage where Peter reminds them that they were set apart, uh, the version we've used says purified for God by obeying the truth, so they must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's not just an instruction to be nice and to be kind. There's actually, there is a, that's a good thing, by the way, to be nice and to be kind. But there's a lot of that in society today, isn't there? Just be kind. I, I do want people to take that advice. But, you know, most people can manage that, at least some of the time. But this instruction 
to love sincerely is a response to their changed identity in Christ. We see it in verse 23. Um, do have your Bibles open at page 1218 so that you can follow what I'm saying through it, through it. You see, they've been born again through the eternal word of God that was preached to them and which will stand forever. We see in verse 23 and 25. So they must love each other deeply from the heart. Verse 22. Therefore, says Peter at the beginning of chapter 2, don't behave like those who don't obey the gospel. Don't get dragged back into that old empty life, the one that you left. Instead, chapter 2, verse 3, crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow up in your salvation, the NIV says. In other words, so that you will become mature in your faith. And in all this, don't forget what your experience of the Lord has been. He is good. Well, there's so much I want to say in this passage, but I'm going to just limit myself to three things, uh, three main headings. They'll appear on the screen and stay there so that you can see where we've got to. Love one another. Crave pure spiritual milk. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So firstly, love one another. Chapter 1, verse 22. It's a funny word, love, isn't it? I don't know whether you often think about how we use it. We, we say in, in one, almost sometimes in one breath, oh, I love ice cream. And then I may be sharing ice cream with Marigold and say, I love you. Those statements are both true, but clearly they don't mean the same thing, just in case you were worried, dear. <laughs> you see, the source of our love as brothers and sisters in Christ is the fact that we have one thing in common. We are born again through the imperishable, living and enduring word of God, says Peter in verse 23. So, using Christ as our example... We are to love one another. Well, how are we to love one another? Firstly, verse 22, we are to love deeply. Some translations have love earnestly. Now, it's an easy thing to say, isn't it, to, to love deeply, but it's not always easy to do. But there are good reasons why we should work hard at it. The word translated deeply holds the sense of uh, with every muscle strained. It's an idea that we need to apply energy to loving deeply. We're not just to assume that love will happen. No, we need to decide within this church family to love each other deeply even when we don't feel like loving each other deeply do you remember in the gospels jesus was asked well, what's the most important commandment and he summarized the law didn't he by saying 
love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul and with all your strength and love your neighbour as yourself. So this isn't just some kind of passive, wishy-washy, isn't it, nice kind of love. This is an active decision to love and to love deeply. Secondly, still verse 22, we're to love sincerely with a pure heart. Um, the NIV says, from the heart, but if you notice that there's a footnote at the bottom that says, some manuscripts say, with a pure heart. And if you think of the opposite of pure, it's impure, isn't it? And it's from an impure heart that the behaviours that Peter forbids at the beginning of chapter 2, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander, it's from an impure heart that those things come. Surely if we truly love somebody deeply, sincerely, those damaging and hurtful tendencies will be less likely to come to the surface. Love is, if you like, the opposite of those things. And verses 24 to 25 give us further clues as to why this matters. Sincere, deep, pure love has been demonstrated to us in that we have been born again by the, the imperishable living and enduring word of God, the good news of the gospel. And that will never perish. It will never fade, of the, fade away. Peter says, from, quoting from Isaiah 40, that the word of the Lord stands forever. You see, we as Christians have been changed by Christ in the very core of our being. It's not just that we've been given a new name, we are Christians or believers, but it's that we have been changed, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians, into new creations. But I'd like us to think a little bit about what it means practically this morning to love one another deeply, sincerely, from a pure heart. Uh, I've been trying to think of a few examples. So here are some, and uh, I'm sure you'll be able to think of many more. Do chat them through afterwards. Share with each other what this might look like as a church family in practice. So one thing is to constantly be looking for ways to care for and nurture other people within our church family. You know, love is not accidental. Love is intentional. Love isn't just a feeling. It's a decision. Sometimes we don't feel love. But it doesn't stop us from demonstrating love. Perhaps related to that, keep your eyes and ears open. What's going on around? What are you hearing from your friends? Who's, who's struggling at the moment? Who's finding things really, really tough? Who needs you to be praying for them? 
Who needs you to go to them this morning and say, what can I pray specifically for you and with you? Who is it around you who needs a word of encouragement? Keep your eyes and ears open. And when somebody comes and says, how can I help you? When you do need some help, be humble enough to accept it. It can be difficult, can't it? Sometimes it's easy to give help. But maybe you find it harder to accept help. I know very often I've been in that position. But you know, if I don't accept the help that you offer me in love, in a sense I'm putting a barrier in the way of you showing me that you love me. So don't struggle on in silence. It's okay to accept help. It takes a bit of humility perhaps. But we don't need superheroes in our church family, do we? We need to love one another deeply and accept love when it's given. And so that might mean, perhaps, in difficult circumstances, if you've fallen out with somebody. Maybe you need to go and talk to them, to pray with them, to give the opportunity for apology, and to say sorry where it's needed. That's not easy, I know, but it's a sign of working out deep love that we don't let those unresolved conflicts fester under the surface. And finally, uh, again, I'm sure you'll think of other examples, but pray, pray daily that the Lord will be at work by his spirit, purifying your heart, making you just that teeny, teeny little bit more like Jesus today. Perhaps giving you the ability to show your love just a little bit more deeply today. But I hear somebody saying, at least thinking, yeah, well, I've, I think that sounds good, Steve. I like the sound of it. I want to do that. I want to be loving deeply. But then this old sinful self keeps rushing up to the surface and making me much more selfish than loving. I wonder whether you've ever had that experience. Friends, I've had that experience. When me showing my love for somebody in the church means changing my plans because their need is greater than mine at the moment. And the old selfish little thing on my shoulder says, nah, they'll be all right, someone else will do it. Crack on with your life. How do we overcome that? Well, that takes us to point two. Chapter two, verse two, crave pure spiritual milk. About uh, 35 years ago, Marigold and I had the great privilege of traveling to Nepal, and we were trekking in the Himalayas. Um, we'd been up to quite high altitude, up towards five and a half thousand meters. Uh, it was cold, it was snowy, uh, we were struggling with frozen feet, and we ran out of food. And for two days, we trekked through deep snow in the middle of nowhere with nothing to eat. And we were wandering along with a friend who was with us, fantasizing about food. It's a really weird thing when you haven't got any. What, what will you have? And we were thinking of all our favorite restaurants and what we'd love to eat. We craved food because our, our stomachs were hungry. We did eventually get down. We got to a, a village. We were able to buy noodles that were utterly delicious. Well, maybe if you think of uh, 
the analogy of parents, in fact, many of you here don't need to think of it as an analogy. It's a reality. Being a parent is exhausting, isn't it? A tiny baby craves its mum's milk. It cries out until it gets it because the baby is hungry. It wants to grow and to get strong, and it knows the source of growing and gets, getting strong is milk. Be like that, says Peter. Crave the spiritual milk that will make you spiritually strong. Crave the spiritual milk that will make you mature in your faith. As the NIV puts it, crave the spiritual milk that will enable you to grow up in your salvation. So what is that spiritual milk? Well, again, verse 24 and 25, I think, point us in the right direction. It is the word that was preached to you, the good news of the gospel. It's the word that in Isaiah 40, which Peter is quoting, was looking forwards to a coming Messiah. And which, as Peter writes, and who, as Peter writes, has now come. It is the word that we, as Christians, have tasted. We've experienced the Lord Jesus himself revealed in the pages of Scripture that we are privileged and blessed to hold this morning. Now, this spiritual milk isn't something that passes like a flash in the pan here today, gone tomorrow, now you see it, now you don't. It isn't, says Peter, quoting Isaiah 40, 6 to 8, like grass that withers and flowers that fall. No, the word of the Lord stands forever. So how are we to be fed by this word that we're told to crave. Well, it's wonderfully encouraging looking out and seeing so many people here this morning. That's one way, isn't it? We meet together as the body of Christ. We come together in person when we can. <clears throat> of course, many perhaps are joining us this morning on the live stream, not able to join us in person. But when we can join in person, what a great joy and a privilege that is. We meet in fellowship. We hear God's word read. We hear God's word preached. And it's God's word that is powerful to change our hearts and to change our minds. So let's make that a priority. Meeting together as brothers and sisters in Christ. We do it too by spending time privately with the Lord every day, prioritizing reading his word, praying. Call it a quiet time, call it devotions, call it Bible time, call it study. It doesn't really matter what you call it. But prioritizing that private personal time with the Lord is so important. And can I say, as one who is ordained and who is a minister... I battle with it constantly because the temptation is to just ditch it because life is busy. Friends, we've got to encourage one another to be hard workers in studying God's word, in devoting our time to him, in prioritizing studying. 
because that is where we meet with the Lord and where our, where our faith is built. That is the pure spiritual milk we should be craving. And as we do that, let's meditate on it. It's easy to say, oh, I've got four chapters to read this morning or six verses or whatever your system is asking you to read that day. I've got that out of the way. Where's the coffee? Friends, we need to get into this. We need to dig under its skin. We need to let this word soak into the very core of our being. Let's not treat it like a newspaper or a novel. There are good things to read, but don't feed our souls. Now, this is, this is something to taste and see, because in it we meet with Jesus, who is good. I think that's what it means to crave this spiritual milk. Why don't you um, chat afterwards with folks outside, enjoy the warm sunny day, share ideas about how you feed that craving for pure spiritual milk, how you keep that craving going when the, the nasty little thingy on your shoulder says, nah, don't bother today, Steve, you'll be all right. How do you keep each other going and encourage one another in that? And that takes us to our third point, taste and see that the Lord, the Lord is, is good. good. I just imagine um, you're in your favorite restaurant somewhere. I don't know what it is. It's uh, a pizza or a curry or a you know, Thai, I don't know, in the pub for a great big circle of Yorkshire pudding full of gravy and beef, whatever your favorite meal would be. And the waiter comes, you having ordered it, and presents you with this plate. And it looks utterly gorgeous. It's been created like a work of art. And you say to those you're with, oh, it seems a shame to eat it and spoil it, doesn't it, really? You probably take your phone out and you snap a photograph of it and put it on Facebook. I just imagine if at that point, with your photograph in your camera, you say, oh, can I have the bill, please? And you just pay and you walk out. That would be rather absurd, wouldn't it? In one sense, you've enjoyed the food, you've seen it, you've feasted on it with your eyes. But imagine just at that moment when the waiter says, that strange command, I've always thought it was a bit odd, enjoy. <laughs> oh, all right then, definitely, I'm going to enjoy it. You just get up and walk out. It would be completely absurd. You see, what you're supposed to do with that food is spoil the work of art. You're supposed to stick your fork in and eat it and taste it and see that it is good. As the psalmist in Psalm 34 said, we read some of it earlier, didn't we? We have to taste and see that the Lord is good. But just have a look at uh, verse 3 of chapter 2 with me. And take a note of the tense in which Peter writes as he references that psalm. He says that you have tasted that the Lord is good. You see, he puts it in the past tense because that is the experience of the Christian. We have been purified, verse 22, by God as we believe the gospel. 
we have been born again of imperishable seed, verse 23, and now we have tasted. These past tenses are really important. They're telling us about who we are in Christ. Just like newborn babies crave their mother's milk and they know it's good, which is why they come back for more. We as Christians have tasted that the Lord is good. The eternal word, the gospel, which was preached to us, verse 25, tells us that God is good and now we've tasted and experienced for ourselves that the Lord is good. The joy, the reassurance, the encouragement, the guidance every day to know that we are eternally wrapped up with Christ in God is the goodness of who he is. So what does that mean for us day to day to cry out and to, to taste that the Lord is good? Well, I guess it's possible that there are some here, I don't know, uh, who, as far as the Christian life is concerned, have in effect got your beautiful plate of food, but you've paid the bill and walked out of the restaurant. You've never really tasted it. Can I invite you, if that's true of you today, whether you're on the live stream or whether you're here in church, to taste and see. Don't just push the food round the plate. Put it in and chew it up. We're, we're planning soon, we hope, to run a Christianity Explored course. Maybe come along to that. Perhaps you have friends that you'd like to bring along too. But what about those who already know how good the Lord is? You have tasted you know how good he is. What does it look like every day to keep tasting and to keep seeing that the Lord is good? Because let's face it, you know, you wake up and have breakfast and by lunchtime you're hungry, so you eat more. By tea time you want some more food. So it is spiritually, we should continue to be nourished. So perhaps it's when you're anxious about something or feeling the pressure or feeling overwhelmed, What's the first place you go to try and deal with that? Food? Alcohol? The latest box set on the TV? Sport, whether watching it or playing it? Reading a good book? Nothing wrong with doing those things of, of themselves. But they aren't going to provide us with the spiritual nourishment which really gives us the strength to deal with those challenges. So we need to open our hearts to the Lord, don't we? To share with him honestly how we feel. We saw that in our series of Psalms over the summer. Pour out our hearts to him. And turn that pouring out of our hearts to him to praise. Because as we do that, we discover his goodness afresh. And don't forget we are family here as church. We can turn to others. We can ask for help. We can ask people, would you pray for me? I'm really struggling with whatever it is today. Now those prayers I accept may not immediately magic away whatever the challenge is that you're facing. But my own experience is that as I turn to prayer and as I look at God's word, the way I view those things changes because I begin to see them as one who has been born again by the imperishable word, the enduring word of God. 
So whether life is wonderful for you, praise God. Whether there are challenges, come daily to this word. Crave it. Taste it. See that the Lord is good. You know, I'm so encouraged every week. I hear things of what's been going on completely unsung behind the scenes in this church family. So-and-so helping so-and-so. Somebody did something for somebody. Those little things that are so encouraging to the recipients encourage the rest of us too, don't they? Because they're evidence that we are, as a church family, loving one another deeply. They're evidence of a church family sincerely pouring themselves into the lives of others and tasting and seeing every day that the Lord is good. Let me pray. Our loving, gracious Father, we thank you that we can say with confidence that you are good. Thank you for the collective experience within our church family of so many ways that you have treated us with such immeasurable kindness and grace and mercy. Father, I pray now that you would help us day by day, moment by moment, to love each other deeply. That you would help us day by day, moment by moment, to crave the spiritual milk that we find in your word. And that you would help us every day to taste and see that you are good. In Jesus' name, I thank you and ask these things. Amen.